0: Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's so where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. We are currently talking about making our homes a place of rest And I was sharing with you how there's loads of Ness words that are so applicable to us in our homes. And we're talking about restfulness at the moment. Here's a few more of these lovely words. Um, Generousness, gentleness, godliness, goodness, graciousness, gratefulness, great heartedness. Happiness, hard workingness, heavenliness, helpfulness, holiness, homeness, hopefulness, humbleness, industriousness, joyfulness, kindness, loveliness, meekness, mercifulness, motherliness, nestingness, oneness, orderliness. That's enough for today give you some more next time now we're up to point number three about filling our homes with worship and beautiful music and we were saying last time how that if God loves to dwell in praises shouldn't we love to dwell in an atmosphere of praise too therefore let's make our homes homes of praising praising our husband praising our children do you remember that experiment that was done by the japanese doctor doctor um what was his name again doctor emoto and uh, he talked about um put having three jars of cooked rice and to one jar you were to speak um angry hurtful words to the other jar to speak loving, uh, encouraging words full of just love and kindness. And the other jar, well, it was just sort of left alone. OK, so he did this experiment and said that the jar, which you spoke the angry words to, it, it began to um, just go moldy and black. and The jar, um, with the encouraging words, It just, it stayed amazing. And uh, so anyway, uh, my friend, Erin Harrison, who I have done talk shows with in the past, we are not doing them at the moment because we're both doing other things. Anyway, Erin, she actually did this experiment and we talked about it on our talk show and showed the jars And it literally works. Now, I have gone onto the Internet and there are people who who poo-hoo this experiment and say it doesn't work. Well, they must be very negative people because this experiment worked in front of our eyes because this jar and every week I went, I mean, for a few weeks, it. There was this jar, this one where Erin would speak horrible, hateful, awful words to it, and uh, it just became so mouldy and black. And the jar that she spoke these loving, beautiful words over it, it it just stayed beautiful. It was amazing. And um, it it kept on for a few weeks like that. And we could hardly believe it. And so it actually does work. It shows you how our words have power. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we, we mold our children by our words that we speak to them. Dear precious ladies, seek to make your home a home where not only God dwells in praises, but your husband and your children dwell in an atmosphere of praising. It will make such a difference to their lives and to their health. I believe that positive, encouraging, affirming words affect people's health. And you see, conversely, Children and even poor husbands who live in a home where they're nagged at and grumbled at and, you know, spat at and back. Oh goodness me! Ooh, um, no wonder it's just so full of hate and tension. No husband can live in that. And children, how do they grow up? I think they grow up sickly, and I think they grow up hurt and and, uh, you know, bitter. And so our words are so powerful. I even like to speak to my garden. I go out to my garden and I'll speak to my plants, to my vegetable garden. And my vegetable garden this year is doing so wonderfully. It's just beautiful. It's just growing before my eyes. And all the plants are strong and healthy. And as I was planting them, I would say to them, take root downward and bear fruit upward. Well that's a scripture actually talking about Israel, but I used it for my plants and I will just tell them how wonderful they are and they're growing so well. And they are growing so well. Words have such power, ladies. I believe our we fill our walls with our words and and it, it begins to um affect the atmosphere of our homes. All right, number four. If we're going to build a home of rest, we must eradicate evil from our homes and conquer the enemy. Now, back in Bible days, the children of Israel, they only had rest when they had conquered the enemy. When there was enemies round about, they had to fight. Now, at the end of um, Joshua's life, and he was the one who took them into the promised land and they fought all these battles and, and conquered the enemy. It says in Joshua 21, 45, And the Lord gave them rest round about. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. And it says they had rest all around them. But then time went on and the Israelites, they began to forget God as a new generation came on. And as they got involved with the evil things around them, God's anger was hot against Israel, the Bible says. And he sold them into the hand of the king of Mesopotamia. And so for eight years, they were in slavery and servitude uh, to this king. And then they got sick of it and they cried unto the Lord. God is so merciful. Oh, what a great God he is. And it says in verse 9, Judges 3 verse 9, And when they cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, and his name was Othniel. And so he defeated the enemy, and then, the Bible says, the land had rest for 40 years. 40 years they lived. In rest, no enemies, just in beautiful rest. Every man was beside his, his fig tree and his vineyard and uh, everything was lovely. But after 40 years, oh, they got complacent and they began to just get involved in evil again. And so when that happened, God allowed the king of Moab to subdue them. And for 18 years, they were in servitude to this king. It's not an easy thing to live when you are in servitude. But in Judges 3.15, it says, But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. This time it was Ehud. Now, this is quite a gruesome story here. Now, mothers, if you have any boys and uh, they just like real gruesome stories, why not read them this story in Judges chapter 3, verses 12 to 30? Oh my, your boys will love it. And as you read to them of how Ehud killed uh, the king of Moab, It's pretty gruesome. And uh, after he killed the king, uh, they went on to subdue the whole of the the nation of Moab. In verses 29 and 30, it says, And they slew Moab at that time about 10,000 men, all lusty and all men of valor, and there escaped not a man. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. And the land had rest for 80 years. How wonderful. 80 years. Well, I'm going to be 80 next year. And uh, that's quite a few generations because now I have our beautiful children and then our grandchildren and now we have great grandchildren coming on. So a fourth generation is coming on. Dear ladies, this makes me realize how powerful we are as mothers and how what we do can impact the following generations in such a powerful way. The way we mother and and nurture our children will affect them throughout their lives but it will also affect the next generation and the next generation and uh, who we are as mothers and how we stand up for righteousness and we keep evil out of our homes we can have the power to bring rest to our families and to generations to come You see, get it. Every time we read about this, they had rest after they subdued the enemy, after they got rid of evil, after they had repented and cried out to the Lord. And so we have to watch, ladies, if there's any evil coming into our home, just a little bit oh, that's all right, you know, oh, that's just, it's only a little bit. No, you have to get rid of even the little bit because the little bit becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. When the enemy gets in and takes a little foothold, he'll soon take over the whole home. We must always get rid of evil. We must subdue the enemy. And that is one of our tasks as mothers, subduing the enemy. Dear mothers, there is one part of motherhood that is so beautiful and gentle and nurturing and loving. But there's another part of motherhood that is powerful where we raise up to come against evil, to come against the enemy, to conquer the enemy because we will not let our children be taken over by the enemy. And so we must be women of God who stand up for righteousness. We love righteousness and we abhor evil and we will not allow evil in our home. We will cast it out and we may have a war while we're doing it. Many times some mothers are afraid to take authority over Evil things that come into their home, or their teenagers begin to bring evil stuff in, and they, or even stuff they may be watching on social media. And maybe some mothers feel too timid, they don't want to make a scene, they just want their children to love them. No, <clears throat> there are times when we have to have a war if we want peace. Before they had rest on every hand. They had to conquer the enemy. They had to have war. They had to have a battle first. Because we don't want battles. Who wants battles? Oh, help, no. But if, if there is evil, we've got to have a battle to eradicate it. So that we bring peace and we bring rest. Now, after this battle uh, with Ehud, they had rest for 80 years. At least four generations. Isn't that amazing? In fact, of course, I, if I think of my parents and my grandparents who I knew, that's six generations. So we have to mother generationally. We're not mothering only for today. We must always think of the future and mother generationally. That's why we have to think, dear, precious mothers of our children as they're growing and they get to that age where it's usually the time to send them off to college. So many Christian parents just do that because that's what you do. But we are living in an hour where we better think carefully about doing that because our colleges and our universities at this present time, have become breeding grounds for socialism, which is now turning into anarchism. We are facing at this time in our nation a spirit of anarchy as we have all these protesters, these people who are pulling down our statues who are taking over cities who are burning businesses and and wanting to uh, just get rid of the police this is anarchy and this is coming from young people in our colleges they have been brainwashed with socialism now dear precious parents we have to think carefully are we going to send our children in to be brainwashed with socialism. That is not going to bring peace and rest to this country. Already it's bringing just terrible stress and anarchy. And so we've got to think carefully of what we do because we affect the future and our children affect the future and our nation will be what our children will be. There are other ways of them being educated. Uh, They can do college plus from home and still get a wonderful college education. There are some very good conservative colleges. Uh, But to just send our children to the normal rank-and-file public college today, it's scary. Because in most cases... They are not only being brainwashed in socialism, but yes, even the Black Lives Matter. Now, of course, oh my, I'm getting onto a controversial subject, but of course we have to face it because we're facing it right now with Antifa and Black Lives Matter uh, who are rising up. And of course, we love black people. In fact, every person created by God is beautiful. They are God's creation. Every different race and black lives are beautiful. We stand with them. But I have to confess, I don't stand with Black Lives Matter as an organization because if you go to their website you will read how that they stand with uh, the queer and they stand with homosexuals and they stand with transgender. They stand with that which God says is an abomination. So therefore, I cannot stand uh, and align myself with that organization. That doesn't mean to say, I don't love black people. On their website, it says in very clear letters that one of their agendas is to disrupt the nuclear family. They are not interested in the nuclear family at all. And this is the very foundation of our nation because it's biblical, it's God-ordained. God-ordained the nuclear family of father, mother, mother, And children raised in a home. Of course, we then have the extended family. And then back in Israel, they had the tribes and then they had the nation. But it all, uh, the nucleus was the nuclear family. Now, Black Lives Matter does away with that. Uh, And uh, because it is so sad that it's an organization which is uh, being... Um, well, they also blatantly and openly confess that they are Marxist-trained. And uh, so we cannot stand with Marxism. We cannot stand with that which is against the nuclear family. And therefore, dear mothers, we've got to watch our young people are being pulled into this. Young people in our colleges today are, are seeking to, they actually are brainwashed, and made to feel guilty that if they are white people are having to uh, you know confess that they have white privilege no we should of course we should have no other privilege than any other race absolutely well i shouted that didn't i but i certainly believe that but you see this is where it is all getting out of hand we are all the same before god And yes, our precious black people in this nation have every privilege, every privilege of white people. Now let's think about it. They can go to the very height of our nation. Our last president was a black president. You cannot get higher than being the president of the nation. We have a black Supreme Court judge, Clarence Thomas, a beautiful, wonderful, conservative Supreme Court judge, a black man. That was, he was was able to rise to that. That's one of the heights of our nation, to be a Supreme Court judge. And he is the second African-American to be a Supreme Court judge. We have many politicians and senators and congressmen who are African-American. They can rise to whatever they want. Every one of us can rise to what we want. That is, it's the freedom of this nation. It is the land of the free. But sadly, these organizations of Black Lives Matter, Antifa and so on, they are bringing in a Marxist ideology, which brings in tyranny and servitude where they want to take the money from the rich, where they want to take away private property, where it becomes mob rule and no longer law and order according to the Constitution. So, you see, we have to guard, dear mothers, how our young people are being uh just brainwashed we we have to share with them what is truth so that they grow up knowing truth loving all nations always being open to uh, never, ever taking on oppression in any way, but knowing that every man is free and every man has privilege before God to be whatever they want to be. But not according to Marxism and all these other things. They are organizations. They are not really... Yes, they're people, but they that's just a certain sector. There are so many beautiful conservative black people who are crying for their own race, who are getting into this. So how did I get on to that? Yes, we're talking of the generations. You see, right now, how is our nation going to go? And why is it like this? How come? Because so many of our precious young people, even from Christian homes, have being brainwashed in our colleges. And so we are at a state in our nation, we have got to wake up and decide what we are going to do and how are our young people going to be educated because we, would, we want to have rest in our land. At this particular um, situation, they had 80 years of rest. Oh, they can raise four generations in that time. I think now of my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and future generations to come. My, if, if this country is taken over by Marxism and these tyrannical groups, what would be the life for our children to come and so we must pray. We must cry out to God. Oh, we're crying out to God. Are you? I'm sure you are. Are you joining the thousands of godly people and righteous people across this nation who are crying out to God at this time. This is our only hope, to cry out to God, that he will bring down evil and that righteousness will exalt a nation. That is what the word says, righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. But we've got to cry out to God and when we do, he hears our cry as we've been reading In these stories here Oh yes Now let's read this scripture 1st Timothy 2 um, Chapter 1 Verse 1 sorry And Paul says here I exhort therefore That first of all All supplications, prayers and giving of thanks be made for all men and for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And how does this happen, ladies? It happens through prayer, by our coming together as families. And first of all, we cry out to God for those in authority. We pray for our president. We pray for those who are in authority. Why? So that we can have a quiet and peaceable life. We haven't got it in our nation at the moment, ladies. So we better be crying out to God. And as we do, we pray that God will hear us and law and order will come and righteousness will come and a revival of turning back to God will come. And a revival of mothers and fathers turning back to their homes and to their families will come. We pray for our precious black people for there are so many single black mothers. And did you know that Planned Parenthood makes sure that they have Planned Parenthood places right near black communities? They target these precious people and we must pray against that, that they will be blessed and that they will know familiness and the nuclear family with husband and wife and families living together. All right, so 80 years, oh, four generations of blessing and just living and Quiet and peaceable life. But oh it was just so good they got lackadaisical again and um and so they just started to get more worldly and just forgot about God's ways and evil started to come in. So when that happened, God allowed these things to come upon them. Is God allowing these things to come upon us? I mean when you think of how In this nation, we have murdered 63 million precious babies. I mean, we stand so guilty before God. I mean, we don't even deserve God's mercy. And yet we cry out for mercy, even though we don't deserve it. So after these 80 years, once again, in Judges chapter 4 and 5, we read how the children of Israel did Evil in the sight of the Lord, so this time God sold them and sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, and his captain Sisera, who had nine hundred chariots of iron, and the Bible says they mightily oppressed the children of Israel for twenty years. That's a generation. Imagine your child being born, your little baby. And for twenty years, right up until the prime of life, that you're living, you're living as a slave, you're living in servitude, you're being mightily oppressed. In fact, in those days, they were too scared to even travel on the highways. They had to find little back roads to go places because they were so scared of the enemy. They lived in fear and they lived in oppression. In Judges five, verses six and seven it says, The village the inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. Now the word The words inhabitants are not in the original at all. They're not even there. If you go to your King James Bible, you'll see they are in italics. And that means they're not in the Hebrew original. They've put them there to try and make sense. So it really starts with the word villages. Now, it's not even really villages because when we go to the Hebrew, we see that the word is... Magistracy, leadership, chieftains, warriors. They were the ones who guarded the villages and the towns and the cities. But because they were living in such fear and such oppression, even the leaders, even the warriors of the villages and the cities, they were living in fear and they were too scared to guard and rise up against the enemy. So they were all under oppression. Now the word ceased, the villages ceased, that word in the Hebrew is kadal, and it means to be flabby, to cease, to leave off. <clears throat> and so we're getting the picture, the chieftains and the leaders of these villages and cities, they, they ceased to take control. They ceased to protect their towns because they were living in fear now the message bible it explains it very clearly and it's very interesting because sometimes people will say oh the message bible it's just a paraphrase um, you can't take it too literally and uh And yet I'm amazed sometimes when I will read it and I'll go back to the Hebrew, I will find, wow, that is spot on. And of all the translations, I found that this time the message was exactly true to the Hebrew because it says here public roads were abandoned, travelers went by back roads, warriors became fat and sloppy, no fight left in them. And that's exactly what the Hebrew says. It says, they became flabby. They were soft and sloppy and wimpy. They gave in to the enemy. They were too fearful to stand up. God is looking for warriors. Did you know that? God wants wimps. I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> I said that wrongly. God doesn't want wimps. He wants warriors. And that's what he looks for. When he looked for someone to lead his people Israel, um, he was looking for a new king after Saul because Saul had disappointed him and had not been obedient to the ways of God. And it says in Psalm eighty-nine, nineteen and 20, I have energized a warrior. I have raised up a young man from the people. I have discovered David, my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him as king. So, when God looked for a king, someone to shepherd and lead his people Israel, he didn't look for a wimp. He looked for someone who was a warrior who had no fear, who was ready to stand up against the enemy. We remember how when he was only 17 years of age, may have been younger, David stood up against Goliath. He wasn't afraid because he trusted in his God. Oh, mothers, let's raise sons and daughters who are not afraid of the enemy, who will stand against the enemy, who will be warriors for God. And so this time God raised up a woman as well as a man. He raised up Barak and Deborah. And you'll remember how Barak said, I won't go into battle unless you come with me, Deborah. And so they both went into battle and uh, they won the victory. Praise the Lord. Um, actually, the final victory was won by another woman. Do you remember that? Her name was Jael. Now, ladies, here's another gruesome story you can read to your boys who love bloodthirsty stories. And uh, here at the end of the battle, Sisera, that was the captain, who had nine chariots of iron. Wow, he's no longer on his chariots of iron because the children of Israel, with God's help, have raised up risen up and they have conquered and now Cicero is running away. He's just on foot running away. I don't know what's happened to all his chariots. I was reading one time a commentary and um, was saying how they all got stuck in the mud and I think they couldn't even use them. So here he is running away and he arrives at the home of J. L. She beckons him in and she sees he's so tired and completely worn out. So she gives him milk to drink. She lies him down. She puts a covering over him. And he goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, she gets a tent peg. And she gets a hammer. And she puts the tent peg at right... um just at his temple and she hammers the nail through his temple and he dies and she was the one who actually won the victory and where did she do it ladies she didn't do it out on the battlefront she did it right in the heart of her home oh mother You can be a warrior for God right in the heart of your home. You're there with your children. You don't have the opportunity to go out into the battle, but you can be a prayer warrior in your home. You can take authority over the enemy that comes into your home. You can conquer him. You can subdue him in your home. And God says in his word and Judges, chapter 5, verse 24. Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. She was blessed above all the other women. <clears throat> Why? Because she took authority over the enemy. She subdued the enemy right in the heart of her home. Oh, that is so powerful. And then at the end of that chapter, verse 31, it says, So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. Let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. And the land had rest 40 years. So after that battle and subduing the enemy, they had rest for another 40 years years praise the Lord well I will just give you two more scriptures on that point uh, there's many more but I think I've got the message over uh, then we come to King David first chronicles 22 17 to 19 and... Um, this is after david he was older now and he's conquered the land and now it's time for solomon to become king and he says to all the people is not the lord your god with you and hath not he given you rest on every side i love that phrase ladies rest on every side every side yes not just rest here and but this tension over here no rest on every side for he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand and the land is subdued before the lord and before his people now set your heart and your soul to seek the lord your god and build the sanctuary of the lord god when they had rest they were able to build this house of rest. And now Solomon speaks and uh, David is given the vision to his son Solomon and he says in First Kings 5, 4 and 5, But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side. That same beautiful phrase again. So that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrence, And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. He's got rid of the enemy. The enemy is subdued. There's rest on every side. And now he can build this house of rest for God. Shall we pray? Dear Father, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, every story that is written is not just a story. It is written for our learning. We thank you that every word is a principle for us today. We thank you for showing us today, Lord, this incredible principle that we must conquer the enemy, we must subdue the enemy, we must defeat the enemy before we can have rest, And so, Father, I pray for every precious home that I'm speaking into. Lord, if there's tension, unrest, strife, battles going on, Lord, I pray that you will enable these precious mothers To rise up, Lord, with the authority of the name of Jesus and the precious blood of Jesus and take authority over the enemy and the authority over all evil and to subdue the enemy in their homes. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the power as mothers to subdue the enemy in our homes. We cannot do it in our own, but we thank you for the precious name the wonderful name, the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up the precious blood of Jesus that has power today. Oh, we thank you. And we thank you that we can take authority over the enemy through the name of Jesus and the power of the blood. We thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that victories will come to these homes, wonderful victories in the name of Jesus, and that you will give them rest on every side. Rest on every side. And their homes will be filled with rest. We pray, Lord, for our nation. We pray, oh God, We come against the uh, demonic spirits that are rising up in in people to bring uh, the spirit of anarchy into our nation. We break the power of these demonic spirits in the name of Jesus. We take authority over them only because we lift up Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that you will bring us victory. And Lord, that we will have rest in our nation and for our children and for our future generations. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.